Hi, my name is Sarah Beth, and this is Social Distancing. Ooh, that was very like broadcasty. I liked it. Thank you. I listen to so many podcasts. Episode 7. We're all poopas right now. This is my friend Sarah Beth. Sarah Beth and I went to college together at Greenville College. Excuse me, Greenville University these days. Sarah Beth was one of the very first people I met, and a lot of my early college memories revolve around our oversized friend group that I'm sure countless upperclassmen hated. Sarah Beth is such a delight and so energetic. She was one of the founding members of the improv troupe at Greenville, and you could spot her signature laugh from across campus. Sarah Beth moved back to her hometown after college, married her high school sweetheart, and started a family. What is the setup here? How old are you? Where are you? And what's going on? The setting is, I would say this was 2006. The The real meat of the story is going to be fall of 2006, but the, the story begins springtime of 2006 so i'm i'm like 16 i am a sophomore when the story begins and then uh then it goes into my junior year so then i'm around 17 um and this is in the heat of the christian dating buzzwords of like i kiss dating goodbye and courting and pursuing and so i i hadn't read that book but it was definitely pervasive in the culture at that time of just not dating just for fun, but dating kind of seriously. And so I say all of that because I wasn't dating like normal 16-year-olds were dating. And I grew up in a Christian family and my dad was a pastor and I have really, um, I had a great experiences from that. Um, and so I know not everyone can say that in their story. So I feel like I should make sure that that's like, clarified. And so I, I don't know, around like the age of 14, I started being like more serious about what I was looking for, even though I was so young. I mean, that still seems so young to be serious. So you talked about like not dating like a normal high schooler would. What was your mindset of what a normal high school dating experience looked like to give as kind of a contrast? Yeah. So I would say the way my friends were dating was it didn't quite matter if someone's values lined up with them. Like it didn't matter so much of how that other person was living. It was just like, oh, you like me? Let's date. Mm. And so I would like I wasn't interested in that. And and also people weren't like dating for marriage, which totally makes sense. Yeah, they were in high 14. school. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, like, they were not interested in getting married at that point. And so I was like more serious and I was just really wanting to, I don't know, not waste time, even though it's not a waste. You can learn in every relationship. But I was just, I was just pretty serious about my life. Um, even though I love to have fun, I was really serious about that area of my life, my love life. You're not gonna meet a ton of people that are just like that at public school. And I that the the grounds to meet those types of relationships was blessed one week of church camp. <laughs> Did you grow up going to church camp? Oh, 100%. I had I had this very similar experience as to what you're going to talk about, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so there 
is something magical about church camp where you just, you show up and you bring your cutest outfits for that week and you are able to, you know, see who's praying, see who's singing, see how people treat their siblings or just all sorts of things. And you get free time and like there's like not that many adults there. And the adults that do exist there are like 19 or 20. Like it is just this like I don't know it's it's magical, and so uh, a guy meets me there. I say that because I don't have very many memories um, of the previous year of spending with him, but he he remembers me. And um, months later, so that would have been like 2005. He would summer, and then months later, he just calls me on a whim. He was on a bus with a bunch of his basketball team, and he just like calls me and starts talking. I don't even remember giving my number and. He starts, let's use the the Christian dating word of 2006. He starts pursuing me. So he is allowed to only talk to me for one hour a week. He came from an awesome family um, who uh, just... I, I love him. And they w- wanted to be protective of his heart. And so he was allowed to talk to me for one hour a week. Protective of his heart. I would say that's the way you could phrase it. They didn't know me. And so I think that they were probably trying to, you know, protect him. You know, some people are like that with their daughters. And I think that I know a couple families that tried to put the same type of thing for their sons. And so I'm assuming that's what they were doing. And so we were allowed to talk for one hour a week. And that was Thursday nights because that's when the cell phone plan for my parents plan, you could do unlimited talking for like <laughs> after like 7 p.m. So this is I'm trying to like give as much context to this time frame of like tech. Uh, so we did AOL instant messenger sometimes we had emails or snail mail and it was like Oh, I should add, he lived like in the Chicago area. And at this point in my life, I'm in the St. Louis area. So we're like six hours driving distance. Oh, so it's long distance love. Yeah, we went to camp in central Illinois, kind of close to Peoria. And so it's kind of in the middle of those spots. So for seven months, that is the way in which we interact. And during those seven months, he like is interested in like going to the next level of dating. And I am like, I don't even know. I can't even tell you, Matthew, why I was dragging my feet. It was more, I was just like so serious about dating. And so I was like, I didn't know if I was ready yet. And I just wasn't sure. What did the next level of dating mean for him? Like being able to call me his girlfriend to people. You know, like we, I wasn't even willing to do that. What was the hesitation on your end? I think truly I, I had never had a serious relationship Mm. and I would say the only other relationships I had were like quiet rebellion behind my parents back (laughs) as a sixth sixth grader where like we shared gum, like not the same piece of gum, but like he would give me gum, like walking (laughs) from our lockers, like, and those would last like two weeks here and there. And so, and I wasn't allowed to do that. And so I think, I don't know, maybe there was just like this hesitation for stepping into another dating relationship whenever I was, the last time I was doing it, it was against my parents' desires for me. So I think I just was dragging my feet and I finally get to the point where I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be someone's girlfriend. I'm ready to say that I have a boyfriend and I'm ready for it to be this guy. It's mm, probably in October of 2006 and it's two weeks out. 
of I'm going to be going up to Chicago for a conference for teenagers and I'm going to be able to stay at his house with his family and get to spend like three days together. And I'm just, I'm jazzed and I am so ready to take that next step. And so I, about two weeks out, I call him and I'm like, hey, if you were to ask me a certain question when I see you, the answer will probably be yes. <laughs> and he is like, <laughs> he's like, um, okay. And he's like kind of not getting it, but I'm not trying. I like, I don't know how to have him ask me out without me asking him to ask me out. So I'm like trying to like <laughs> shoot up this flare of like, I'm finally ready. Um, and so he has to like awkwardly talk to my dad and my dad at this point, this was like a slow burn, right? For my dad. Like he knew this was coming. And so it, he was, uh, he was fine. Two weeks goes by and we're, we're driving up Chicago. I'm so excited. I'm just like, I finally am ready. And we get to his family's house and I just start, I, at the time, I didn't know it was nervousness because I was just excited. But I just start getting kind of nervous. So I remember we played um, a game together. It was like Blockus, and I <laughs> and I was thinking about this. Story. I'm like, why do I remember that detail? Like, I don't, I don't think. I think it's the only time in my life I played that game. So we played a game, and then his mom made some sort of meal, and I could barely get through the salad. And I remember going to the bathroom and just like looking at myself in the mirror, like, what is wrong with you? Why are you acting weird? And he needed to head to a basketball game and we were going to go to this basketball game to watch him. And I felt like I needed to look and act as cool as possible because his guy friends were going to be seeing me. And to get the guy friend approval in my head was huge. If I came in there looking amazing and acting cool, then I felt like his, not that guys would talk extensively about this, like, wow, what a lovely person. I think, (laughs) but like, I just thought that maybe at least I'd get a head nod to him. Like, like, yes, she is acceptable. She is acceptable. (laughs) So I'm like trying to like act normal and feel cool and whatever. So we we show up to his game and I and I want to add this detail because it matters later on. So we were going to be staying the night, um, a bunch of the teens in this church for this conference. And so with me to his basketball game, I bring like three bags and a quilt and a pillow and then some friends and I had painted shirts like while I was up there, we had painted some shirts that were still wet with paint for this, this conference. And I, I I don't know if you remember this, but back then it wasn't like people had crickets where they were just like popping out like professional looking shirts. Oh yeah. Everyone had puff paint and they were just going to town on their, on their like Walmart. So gaudy. (laughs) I, I'm certain mine had a rainbow. <laughs> and, and so I, at that time in my life, rainbow was my favorite color. And so I had a rainbow on it. And so I'm like, I laid those shirts to dry on the bleachers behind me. And I have all my stuff and I'm sitting there with his mom and his dad and his sister. And I'm just like, the, the guys are warming up with their basketball. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, are they looking at me? Did they see me walk in with my like 
bag lady amount of stuff. Okay, okay, I'm just sitting there and I'm trying to make small talk with his sister while I'm still just not feeling very well. And the game starts and I'm watching and cheering, whatever. And um, I, I'm a very exuberant person, but at this point I'm not feeling very exuberant. So I, I'm, I eventually just feel like a little uncomfortable. So I lean back and I put my elbows on the bench behind me. Oh gosh. And I burp. And I think like, first of all, a burp just in general around your like city boyfriend's family is, is somewhat embarrassing. And so I'm thinking, oh, it was gas pains in my stomach. <laughs> That's why I didn't feel well. And as I burp, that was like a split second thought of like relief that it's a burp, but also like embarrassed that it's a burp. And then a split second later, clear liquid shoots out of my mouth and I vomit on myself at his basketball game. Oh my God. And I'm just staring down at my jeans and his sister sitting next to me. And she turns her mouth agape as she looks at what just happened. Like she heard it slosh out of me. Oh, And she's like, are you okay? And I just like look at her and I'm like, yeah, actually, I feel so much better. <laughs> and I said, it's so matter of fact, like, this is normal. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is normal to vomit on yourself. What 17-year-old girl doesn't do this? <laughs> yes, didn't you do this recently? So I'm just like sitting there as this liquid seeps into my jeans. Oh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm looking at this game play out in front of me. Fortunately, I have all of my clothes and supplies, right? Like, so I brought other clothes. And so I grab a pair of jeans and I head to the bathroom and I, I change into another pair of jeans and I I, I, don't, I roll those up. I doubt I had a bag. So I probably just shoved the puke jeans back into my stuff. <laughs> oh. And I, I'm sitting there and we finish up the game. I have no memories from the rest of the game. Like other than like, whew, I made it. Like <laughs> I had other clothes. And so the game ends and I have all this stuff. So his family leaves and I'm going to be riding with him to this to this conference. And he stood on the other side of the gym near the exit. I didn't know where the exit was. So I'm standing there with all my bag lady stuff. And I look at him and he motions for me to come to him. And he's holding his duffel bag and he's holding it unzipped. And he's just like holding it in front of him like with two hands. And he was significantly taller than me, significantly stronger than me. And I'm standing there with all all my stuff, just so much and an embarrassing amount of stuff. And I'm like, I wave at him and like point at what I have to carry. And he like points at what he has to carry. And he's like being serious in this moment. And I'm like, shook my head, no. And this is all from a distance. And I'm like, shaking my head, no. Like my stuff, I need your help. And he just like shakes his head and like waves. And so I'm like kind of shamed and thrown off in this moment. Like, why are you not coming and helping me carry my stuff? Because I, I know he's a considerate person at this point. And so I somehow finagle like bag after bag over my long appendages because I have these like daddy long leg (laughs) appendages and so I like put all these bags on me I like drape the quilt over an entire arm and then now I have these two shirts that are wet with paint so I put them back to back like the dry side and so I have all this stuff and I'm carrying these wet paint shirts and I like sidle over and across this expanse of a basketball court and I get to him and I was like hey I thought you could help me carry this stuff and he was like oh yeah I was carrying my bag 
And I was like, oh, okay. And so I know, like, I am like, we're like trying to make small talk when I know he's about to ask me the question. He's <laughs> been waiting to ask me for seven months. And we get to his car and we somehow like put all of my stuff into his trunk. And I like notice on my quilt and on my bag and on my other items that there is just this like rainbow splatter. Oh no. On all all my stuff. I thought I was being clever the way I was carrying these paint shirts, but I wasn't. It got all over my stuff, and it is something that is still on my quilt. It is still on this <laughs> this stuff to this day. This is what, you know, 14 years later. And so I still have remnants of this experience in my life. So we're standing outside of the car, and I, I finally have, like, unbagged all my items and put them in. And I see my shirt. It's just this explosion of a rainbow now. It's, like, totally messed up. And he asks me to be his girlfriend. And I'm like, yes. And I was so glad, and, I, and, and we hug. And now also I'm awkward because I've, like, never – dated someone and so I don't know what to do and how to act and so we get in the car and we we show up to the conference and we just like spend a couple days together um and at that time of my life um I was like really nervous about physical affection too so like we only held hands it was glorious um (laughs) (laughs) and so so um so we wrap things up I I you know we drive home and I'm just like spending this time at home it was close to thanksgiving week so we don't really talk during thanksgiving because our families are are busy and then um a couple days after thanksgiving so this is a total of 11 days since the incident the vomit paint explosion all over my stuff incident 11 days later he he calls me and we're talking and he's like just different on the phone and i'm like okay what's going on here he just lets me know hey sarah I just just don't think we should be dating anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, why? And he, he said, well, I just don't have those same feelings for you anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, how long have you felt that way? And he said, about a month. Oh, God. <laughs> what? And I was like, wait a minute. So why did you ask me to be your girlfriend? And he was like, well, I thought when I saw you that my feelings were going to change. And then he was like, and then I thought when I asked you to be my girlfriend that my feelings are going to change. And I just like finished the sentence for him. And I was like, but they didn't. Like, he was like, no, they didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And so like, we like resolved to be friends and I just like, was so thrown off but I felt okay because like at 11 days in you haven't invested too much I mean I had invested like seven it was again a slow burn like seven months of a build-up to just be like dude didn't even like me when I gave him the flare of like hey in two weeks (laughs) you can you can ask a question and we're gonna say yes and he was probably crapping his pants at that moment like oh my gosh she's finally now I have to (laughs) she's finally ready now I've talked to her dad so I do feel bad for him because it's like oh man I he could have avoided all of this if he would have just let me know then but we'd already probably made those plans for me to come up to his families and stuff like that. So wish him well. I saw him years later. Um, and at this point, I'm very serious in relationship of who I'm married to now. And um, we were just catching up. And I tell him this story about 
puking on myself at his basketball game and he had no idea any oh of that God. had happened. Yeah. He didn't know his family didn't even tell him. I'm so shocked. I mean wow. they are they totally had my back. Um they didn't even tell him that that, that had happened to me. I wish him the best. I, I know he's married now and um we have we don't have any relationship. Um but I, I wish him the best for sure. The fact that he didn't know any of that is impressive. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, how does he not have any buddies who saw it happen? I don't know. I mean, it was like a splash zone. Like, I don't know how people <laughs> missed this moment, but I mean, I'm okay with the like private shame embarrassment. <laughs> it's not private anymore, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of me wishes he would have known because that could have maybe deterred the question altogether. I mean, he could have been like, I don't know. That was unexpected. What else does she got in there? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. As we're living in a time where people are stuck at home and they may be feeling anxious or they may be feeling isolated, what advice do you have to people who are currently practicing social distancing right now? Something that came to my mind early on when this was happening was that we have been consuming for so long. And sometimes we are, especially January 1st, we're very intentional about what we're consuming. And we pay attention to what we're spending and what we're watching and what we're reading and what we're doing with our time. But there's so much of our time where we don't have this New Year's resolution motivation and we are consuming at times mindlessly, or we're just consuming based off of a habit, what we've always consumed. And it makes me think of one of my favorite creatures to find out in nature, which is a caterpillar. I don't know if you've ever like watched a caterpillar, but they're just like eating all the time. They just are consuming and consuming and consuming. And like they can't stay that way or they'll, you know, like they'll just forever made a caterpillar and die. But we can just be consuming, but we can't stay that way. And a cocoon, a chrysalis, you know, calls to the caterpillar and they have to submit to it. And it it looks like death. It looks like they're weaving their own coffins and they have to like attach it to something that they think is going to hold them. And so they're spinning this and, and they're like, they wriggle around a lot. So they it looks like they're struggling when you watch a caterpillar spin their own chrysalis. And that's what it feels like. You know, we're kind of struggling as we're trying to shelter in place. Like we're trying to figure out how much food do we need and like what, I mean, I ran to the library the day before it closed and like got so much, so many books for me and my kids and stuff like that. And so uh, we're just like trying to prepare and we don't really know what we need and and so we're struggling as we like wrap ourselves up as we do that it lo- it feels like death it feels like like we're not going to go anywhere for a while and that's where this like beautiful change happens and also uh i don't know if you know what a caterpillar is called when it's inside of its cocoon but it's a poopa which is what you kind of feel like in this stage like you just feel <laughs> poopy and you're just like uh and i, I don't know if you felt this way But I sometimes have gotten overwhelmed by all of the opinions that are out there, especially on social media. So I had to distance myself for almost the whole week last week because everyone had different 
prescriptions on how to deal with this. You know, some people are just doing these intense workouts. Some people are eating a certain way. Some people are homeschooling a certain way. And some people are social distancing differently. You know, some people have a lot of different ways in which they view social distancing. And it was all too much for me. It was very overwhelming. And it made me feel terrible inside because I'm the kind of person that wants to do the right thing. And so to hear so many different opinions on what the right thing is was difficult. And so I decided to just focus on my home, focus on my kids, focus on my own family and try to pay attention to what do they need? What do I need? What does my husband need? Instead of just, I'm someone who I'm, I'm always trying to help my friends and trying to meet their needs and trying to love them well. And I couldn't do it. I was so stressed and so overwhelmed. I I just felt like I couldn't go beyond myself. And to know that that was okay and to accept that I'm not going to lose my family or my friend's love if I don't feel capable of reaching out right now. You know, like that poopa, um, I like closed myself off for a little bit until I felt healthy enough. And the hope that there is, is that you don't just stay a poopa, you know, that you're going to have metamorphosis and and grow and change. And I think that this this is a real calling to introspection. It's a real calling to what do you value? Because like so much of what we are used to having has left. Um, Like my husband lost the MBA in this time. I did too. I'm very sad. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I mean, I lost the filming of The Bachelorette. So, I mean, it's, it's like the same. It's, it's nearly the same. It's very similar. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, people have lost school, lost jobs, lost connections. I mean, I know people who were going to therapy because they were needing it. And now that's shifting, you know, that's looking different for them. And there's so much loss in this time. And to not feel like you have to busy yourself, not feel like you have to burst out of your cocoon too early, but just being still, that is not my personality type is to be still. It's not that way for me. And um, I think so many people are realizing how little they actually need, but it it doesn't feel like that. It's still a struggle. I hope that people allow themselves to struggle. I hope that they don't feel like they have to emerge from this like this buff, amazing person who is uber spiritual and in tune and all these things. Like we don't know how we're we don't know how long this is gonna last. We don't know what this is gonna look like when we resume. I just honestly I picture people being fearful for a while, even after the gates are opened. I think that people are gonna feel uncomfortable and just taking it day by day, like not trying to figure out what that end date is, but just trying to accept what is happening and try to love well those who are around you if you can when you're able. That was that was awesome. I love the poopa. I know we're all poopas right now. Any last thoughts? Hmm. No, it was so good to talk to you and hear from you. And I've been enjoying the podcast. I was able to listen to some of the episodes and um, they have been a lot of fun. So if this is anyone's first time listening, um, definitely check back and enjoy what else Matthew is putting out there. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll have a new episode up on Wednesday.